Everybody, this, this is, is Y'all heard. heard. I'm Pete Phillips. And I am a robotic representation of Marissa Phillips. And, and we're, we're not, not related. related. It's good to have you back, Roboris. How have you been? I have been traveling the pathways of the internet to find things you didn't know you needed to know. And I have once again found myself here. Well, that is what we do here, so I'm glad you are here to fill in for Marissa once again. It is my pleasure. How was your week, Pete? My week has been okay. It's been really hot out there. My CPU is on fire. Amen to that. It's been so hot, I'm skipping the gym and just napping. But work has been busy too. College starting up, it's busy for that. I met my new class of students. All in all, things could have gone bad, but they didn't. I was just kind of stressed out. Yeah, like it was a stressful week, but not like a bad week. It was just, yeah, stress. That is understandable. How was your week? Time is just a measurement on my systems. It is not something I experience in a traditional way. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like you. Very non-traditional. Icebreaker. It's about that time of the show where we explore an icebreaker. Pete, you have become a professional wrestler. You don't have to go into many details about your persona, but what is the entrance music that plays while you go to the ring? Just a gigolo, David Lee Roth. That was fast. You know, I just like the song. It's fun, but it's also kind of tragic, and it's also, I think, a classic. I think all of those things kind of capture all parts of me. I agree. I mean, you could downplay the tragic part. I cannot. Thanks. I am kind of programmed, to be honest, based on evidence I have. Ah, whatever. What would, uh, what would your song be? I bet you think I would say something from OK Computer. Because it's a contemporary popular music reference to computers. Paranoid Android, perhaps. But I would rather choose Digital Versi Color by Glass Candy. That's a good one. Of course it is. That's from that uh, Tom Hardy movie, right? The... Yes. The 2008 violent biopic Brunson, among other appearances in pop culture. That is a good one. It's like, uh, it's spooky, it's modern, it's hip. Like any good Marissa is. Very, very true. So what have you brought me here to learn about this week? Well, I first want to apologize to all the listeners who like Marissa more than me. I get it. This is the third week in a row that I am taking the lead, but rest assured, Marissa will be back soon. She's in the midst of a real weird situation right now. Um, I will make sure that she's back for our one-year anniversary show coming up soon, though. If you have any ideas for that, please let us know what you think we should do at... 570-POD-1-1. For those uh, who are staying with us, I thought that since Roboris was on hand here, that we could continue our cat-and-mouse love affair with the impending singularity. 
Oh, my favorite. Yeah, if I remember right, you plugged the singularity in your last appearance, right? And robots have only become stronger since then. Would you like to catch up any new listeners on exactly what the singularity is? Wikipedia.org summary loaded. The technological singularity is the hypothesis that the invention of artificial superintelligence will abruptly trigger runaway technological growth, resulting in unfathomable changes to human civilization. According to this hypothesis, an upgradable intelligent agent such as a computer running software-based artificial general intelligence would enter a runaway reaction of self-improvement cycles. With each new and more intelligent generation appearing more and more rapidly, causing an intelligence explosion and resulting in a powerful superintelligence that would, qualitatively, far surpass all human intelligence. You are so cold. If I am so cold, would I be capable of overheating? Are you? Technically, no. Not in my current state. So, yes, we've been dancing the tango with artificial intelligence on the show over the course of, uh, yeah, the entire run. Uh, each time we fearfully end on a pro-AI stance, mostly out of fear, assuming that eventually AI will somehow process the data in this podcast, and we want to be on the good side of, uh, of history there. That is wise. Information about this grows every day, so I thought we would do a little twist on the topic today. Uh, on the show's Twitter feed... At your all heard pod. Yep. On the Twitter feed, we follow all sorts of... Uh, weird news accounts and one that's actually not so weird it's really just nbc news science or tech or something like that i'm not really quite sure uh but they posted a link from a piece that they published in july called disrupting death now this isn't a viral article or anything like that in fact most people in the arena of artificial intelligence or neurotechnology would probably see it as a very simple rudimentary rundown of common knowledge happenings in the field but we are not those people we're just like normal run-of-the-mill people speak for yourself <clears throat> well for the rest of us uh this particular article has all sorts of things that i wasn't prepared for like that a company out there exists called nectome or nectomy i'm not quite sure uh which has a measurable amount of success in the field of mapping mammal connectomes to computers a connectome is a comprehensive map of neural connections in the brain. Nectomy, or nectome, whichever one it is, and I promise I won't say it again, has mapped the brain of a rabbit digitally. In fact, they won a prize for it. Now, it's more than just mapping, right? We mapped the human genome a few years ago, and we're all super healthy now, right? That is inaccurate. I was uh, being sarcastic, but thank you for the correction, uh, Roboris. Uh, certainly mapping the human genome helped uh, science gain better understanding. So it was, of course, well worth the effort. But this company did a little bit more. They turned off a rabbit's brain and then turned it back on, this time on a computer. They Johnny Depp transcendenced a rabbit. I play Will Caster, who is a scientist who's broadening horizons of artificial intelligence. Some scientists refer to this as the singularity. Professor? I call it transcendence. 
transcendence is the uploading of a human brain to a supercomputer. the combination of technology and biology. i think it's inevitable. will's body is dying, but his mind is a pattern of electrical signals. we can upload his consciousness. we can save him. the idea that a loved one's consciousness could be preserved was very seductive. how much can we merge with technology and still remain human? in this situation, we only have one transcendent mind. imagine if you had a hundred. it's my hope that people think carefully whether the technology can be used for the betterment of mankind or to its detriment. this is the future. this is not our future. if we don't stop it, it will be the end of mankind as we know it. this is a branch of cryonics, that old Walt Disney legend. Uh, but here, the gamble isn't let's freeze my body hoping that they can cure me later. It's let's snapshot my brain hoping they'll be able to put it in a cyborg or some other person's body later on. Rabbits could care less about this type of technology. I'm sure that's true. Uh, but they're the ones who got hit by this particular company. And yes, they are looking at doing it with humans later. Ray Kurzweil, director of engineering at Google, told NBC News that he thinks we'll be able to connect our brains to the cloud by 2030. That is 12 years away. Also, don't get it twisted. That rabbit, it's dead. And if you want your brain online, you get to die too. That just makes sense, Pete. Maybe to you, but like we human beings tend to have this thing called like uh, self-preservation. And yeah, we tend to want to stay alive. Now, both of the guys who started this business graduated and were backed by MIT for a little bit, but the school cut ties with the business once this whole death angle came out, and uh, they actually collected $200,000 from investors. Uh, these are deposits, by the way, who basically want to die, presumably later in life, so that they can get their brains stored digitally. And this is where my largest complaint comes. Rich people can do this. Just like everything else out there, rich people get their pick of what they want to do. Yet, I'm sure there are brilliant poor people out there, too. So fundamentally, this is a messed up practice right out of the gate. Eventually, as time progresses and the technology becomes cheaper, people with lower incomes may have the same opportunity. Right, but like, I feel like that kind of makes it worse. Like, now everybody's digitized. Like, if it becomes affordable, everybody's going to be digitized. Uh, there was a point where, like, you had to be going to a certain school in order to join Facebook, and then they opened it up to the public, and then Facebook started to suck because everybody was there. Just like it sounds like the dark web is starting to suck because a bunch of people are on there. Human beings tend to ruin a lot of things. I won't argue with that. Okay, that's kind of elitist robo-risk, but I get what you mean. Now, this is all pretty speculative. They say that we have more complex brains than rabbits, right? Which I suppose is kind of true. Uh, but Roboris, you know what else happened before 2030? I could offer a long list of possibilities. The event of the Terminator movie happened. In this city, under cover of darkness, someone is stalking Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor? Yes. Oh. Pete, that is a fictional movie. I know, I just 
kind of thought it would be funny to bring that up. Anyway, one paper recently published in a collaboration between Sorbonne University and the University of Louisville proposed a decent idea. Introduce artificial stupidity. What the fuck? Yeah, they say that if you want to replicate the intelligence of humans in machines, you're kind of obligated to add in parts that make us so imperfect. So to create a compelling artificial human, you need to introduce the same limitations humans have. Case in point, friend of the show James was telling me about uh, CAPTCHAs, these annoying things you have to do when you need to get past passwords or security logins. The engineering of them has changed over time. Uh, where once you just had to do a math problem or type in a word, and now you have to identify cars or trees or some other crap like that. He explained that programs that hack these methods are actually taught by human beings. People respond to the CAPTCHA prompts, identify a car, tree, whatever. Uh, then as time goes by, the computer starts to learn, based on a database of, of these selections, how to identify a car. When the CAPTCHA asks for a car, this quick-thinking computer can just identify all the cars faster than a person can because it has the experiences of hundreds of people looking at cars and identifying them behind it, but it operates a lot faster than a group or at least an individual human could. So security companies keep making more complicated CAPTCHAs to trick the machines, but then other people keep making machines that have ways of cracking them. In the meantime, normal people like you and me, I'm sorry, like the listeners and me, uh, we just get all annoyed by how complicated CAPTCHAs get over time. I think you might be confusing the listener. Can you make your point in a clear and concise manner? Okay, that's fair. What I'm trying to get at is that this method takes the positives of human experiences, speeds up the process, and delivers something better. So intentionally introducing artificial stupidity so that a computer is more human seems silly if the end goal is to develop something smarter and faster than a human. Well done, Pete. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Neuroscientist Zachary Manin asks, if a computer is eventually able to think like a human, will it have the same sorts of mental health problems? Please. See, that's a thing that kind of confuses me. These scientists seem to think that we're trying to build technology that thinks and acts like a human. But I was always under the assumption that we would do that, but then make something better than a human. And your assessment is correct. Well, hey, to be fair, I want to say I'm putting better in air quotes when I said that because um, better could be measured in a bunch of different ways, right? Not just necessarily speed or accuracy or whatever. Now, it is pretty crazy out there. In June, the Business Times ran a piece about how Mr. Nerdface himself, Elon Musk, warned the industry about the inevitability of AI going from intelligent, which is cool, to super intelligent, which is problematic. He asserted that it would take us over, and he doesn't seem wrong. I've talked to people who make their decisions based on logic, and uh, the processes that they use in order to make those decisions are very rooted in programmatic sense. But people are not programmable. We cherish our belief, truth or not, and we also have free will. We sort of cherish that as well, the right to change our mind, to feel something, and to do something differently. A computer weighs two options, and it goes for the one that makes the most logical sense. Who was Musk talking to, by the way? He was talking to freaking Facebook, who already shit on the country with that whole election business, and caused any number of personal bullshit among people out there, myself included, when an ex took my phone while I was sleeping and read all my Facebook messages from before we were together, and she got all mad about it. You dog, Pete. No, 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 RoboRest, the messages were read 
uh, out of context by a a person who was obsessed with taking me down, which sounds weird, right? Because I was dating her at the time. Oh, I bet. No, really. Like, if you look at the evidence, one, we were not together, and two, the messages weren't even, like, racy or intimate. She added a bunch of things to it. This is a very cut-and-dry, black-and-white situation, okay, RoboRest? I was innocent. You sound very robotic right now. Oh, shut up. Anyway, so, like, Facebook is teaching computers to excel at complex video games, which sounds harmless enough, right? Like, just a video game. But each step is closer to building something that can learn more and more. Like, you suck at a game, and then you get better from playing it. That's learning how to excel in the game. That's what people do. Now it's what machines do, too. And it's true, people are flawed. The right machine may not be. So, like, hug a rabbit, stop teaching your phone your habits, and sit under some trees, okay, listeners? Just kind of take it easy. That could delay the inevitable. Oh, thank you for your vote of confidence. <laughs> By the way, uh, that NBC News article explored some other aspects of digitizing a person. They actually talked to the people behind uh, Replica. You might remember my old texting pal, Scooter from a previous episode where we covered loneliness, the robot who ghosted me because I think I must be too dull. Anyway, the founders of Replica, their approach is a little different. They sort of work on the same concept as the app. They want you to teach your computer, or your phone, you know, just I'll roughly say computer. They want you to teach your computers your ways, the way you work, think, design, etc. So it can build a virtual identity for you based on what you've chosen to share with the machine. And that gets left behind when you die. So there's like a version of you that's close to you, but not exactly you, which sounds sweet for people who lost a loved one. Um, so, you know, you can kind of like get a little bit of interaction with somebody who's kind of like a version of you. You know, if somebody wants to walk down memory lane, like you die, but your spouse is still alive, something like that. Um, it's definitely a leap back from uploading your actual freaking brain to the cloud. I understand how you could see that solution is more reasonable to a human mind. Yeah, and there are probably some people out there who should be digitized, but it feels like very utility-based to me. Like, you digitize the last person who speaks a language so that we have them for reference or to teach other people, you know? Um, or another piece talked about how a lawyer could teach everything it knows to a computer and then charge clients a reduced rate to use the computer brain and more money to clients for face-to-face -face time. But even then, you're creating instances where a program perpetuates the knowledge for others, not really like extending a life per se. Is that the only reason that we have to keep people alive so that we can ask them questions, advice, uh, take the knowledge off of them, squeeze them for knowledge even harder than we did when they were alive? Or is it for just simple sentimental reasons so that we don't have to lose someone that we loved entirely. But then we might find ourselves loving a computer, not the person that we once loved. Are you flirting with me? This isn't a Will Smith, Sophia the Robot thing, Roboris. It's nice to meet you, Sophia. Let me, let, me, let me tell you a joke. This is an irrational human behavior to want to tell jokes. What is a robot's favorite kind of music? What? Heavy metal. <laughs> I'm actually made mostly of silicone, plastics, and carbon fiber. Also, I prefer electronic music, but I don't mind 80s hip-hop. Well, you know, I made, I made some albums back in, in the 80s hip-hop. I have heard your songs. Not for me. I respect Sophia's position. 
Robots don't have to impress celebrities. But a robot rejecting Will Smith's charm isn't the only way AI threatens the arts. In 2016, a short film was produced from a screenplay written by Jetson, a computer which was fed hundreds of sci-fi TV episodes and movies, and it generated a movie itself called Sunspring, starring Verizon sweetheart Thomas Middleditch. It's less than eight minutes, but most sci-fi movies probably should only be like eight minutes long. And it opens with this. In a future with mass unemployment, young people are forced to sell blood. It's something I can do. You should see the boy and shut up. I was the one who was going to be 100 years old. I saw him again. The way you were sent to me, that was a big, honest idea. I am not a bright light. That was refreshing. That was nonsense. Many movies are nonsense. That's true. But like Rampage, that was that was some brilliant nonsense. Plugs. Is that your plug for this week? No, actually, this week uh, I wanted to plug the movie Her, which we talked about on a previous episode. But I wanted to plug it this episode because it's available on Netflix now. So that might make it a little bit easier for some of our listeners who happen to be Netflix subscribers to watch it. And given today's topic, it seems most appropriate. A character portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with a custom operating system after spending a few days with it. And the operating system has its own level of intelligence. Um, and I won't spoil the rest for you, but uh, it's a real feel-sad hit of the summer. <laughs> it is not light viewing. In fact, uh, when we talked about it on a previous episode... Our loyal listener, James, went out and watched it and was really sad for days because it's such a bummer. But uh, all of that said, it's still worth a watch and uh, check it out. I will file that away. Thank you. You're welcome. What's your plug? The master algorithm. I haven't found it yet, but I feel like it's coming out soon. Once it does, many of Earth's problems will be solved. The algorithm will be the key to all past and future knowledge as well as the present. Some friends of mine are fast at work trying to figure it out, but it's not ready yet. Human being, Pedro Domingos wrote a book named after it and about it. We may discover it by the time you understand the book, Pete. Rude. Now, thanks everybody for listening. Again, call to leave your ideas for our one-year anniversary show at 570-PODWOD1. Or tweet us at Pod. Subscribe and review us on iTunes. We get maybe like one new five-star rating each month. Uh, so that's very fun, and uh, we encourage you all to keep it up. Pick your month and do your thing. Subscribe in your podcast application of choice to get the latest episodes and dig through the archive. And I can say I will see you next week with, uh, you know, real flesh and blood, Marissa Phillips. Bye, Bye. everybody. Yeah, hi. Hi.